leadership and unselfish servanthood. Leadership and unselfish servanthood. Leadership and unselfish servanthood. According to the Holy Scriptures, selfishness will characterize the last days. And that's where we're at in America. Lots of selfishness. Lots of selfishness. Apostle Paul writes, You should know this, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. This is out of 2 Timothy 3, and I'm reading from a different translation. This is probably the contemporary English translation. And of course, basically, we use King James Version. But I use some of these just for a clear explanation. You should know this, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. And if that's not true of our age, I don't know what is. We live in a very greedy society, very greedy America. Everything is driven by money. They will be boastful and proud, scoff at God, and it's happening disobedient to their parents big time, big time, and ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. It's amazing the amount of people that hold grudges and harbor these things. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. And if this isn't the case for our generation these days, I don't know what is. Be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Love pleasure rather than God. One of the college football games yesterday had over 100,000 people in attendance at that football game. Over 101,000 people at that football game. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Pretense, and boy, we're there. Stay away from people like this. This was the admonition of the Holy Ghost written unto Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is out of the New Living Translation. Selfishness. Me, 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 me. Selfishness. Selfishness, I took that out of a magazine article. 
selfishness. Kill your selfishness. That's Bible. That's Bible. I said, that's Bible. Yes. Narcissistic. Personality disorder. One of several types of personality disorders is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance. An inflated sense of their own importance. Oh my. A deep, a deep need for excessive attention. A deep need for excessive attention and admiration, trouble, troubled relationships, a lack of empathy for other people. Oh, my. No one in all Israel was as handsome and well-built as Absalom. He got his hair cut once a year. And when the hair was weighed, <laughs> it came to about five pounds. I don't think there's a lady in the house of God this morning with five pounds of hair. Five pounds of hair. Absalom was very proud of his hair. Weighed it. He's so arrogant. Weighed his hair. Five pounds. Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years without seeing his father, King David, of Israel. His long hair was his doom. His long hair cost him his life. He's the first hippie. He's the first hippie. And that's a hippie from the 60s. Peace signal. They were against the culture in the 1960s. And it all started with young people. Once you look at this next statement, Dr. Dina Dell, Dr. Dina Dell stated, history indicates that it is the youth who are the movers and the shakers who bring about change in the culture. That would be a statement for you to remember. Look at the Beatles. They changed the world. Beatles came into America from England and changed this nation. What about the hippies in the 60s? It started in America and it went worldwide. The youth 
What about today's millennials? Do you know that 70% of today's millennials believe in socialism? Yeah, I, I, I learned this on, on, on studying 70% of today's millennials. What is a millennial? Well, it's the young people that have come into young adulthood in this century. Millennials. Joab went to David and told him that Absalom wanted to see him. Joab was David's captain. David sent for Absalom, and Absalom came. He bowed very low, and David leaned over and kissed him. One of his 19 sons, David had 10 wives that we know of, and 19 sons, and only one daughter is named in the Bible. We don't know how many daughters he had. Sometime later, Absalom got himself a chariot with horses to pull it and 50 men to run in front of his chariot. He's a proud, arrogant young man. This is the beginning of an insurrection against the king. The beginning of an insurrection against government. Insurrection is a violent uprising against constituted authority. An insurrection is a violent uprising against con constituted authority. Barabbas, Barabbas committed murder in an insurrection against the Roman government. He was a prisoner, but when Pilate had Jesus on trial, he asked the people, who shall I release unto you, Christ or Barabbas? And the people cried, give us Barabbas, a murderer that committed insurrection against the Roman government and raped many people. But the crowd says, give us Barabbas. Let me tell you, adult class this morning, the spirit of insurrection is in Washington, D.C. this morning. Yes, it is. Absalom would get up each morning early and wait by the side of the road that led to the city gate. And uh, anyone who had a complaint to bring against or to King David uh, would have to go that way. And Absalom would ask each one of them, uh, where are you from? Where do you live? If they said, I'm from a tribe in the north of Israel, Absalom would say, you deserve to win your case. It's too bad the king don't have anyone to hear complaints like yours. Uh, I wish someone would make me the judge around here. He's an office seeker. He's a true politician. <clears throat> He's an office seeker. And sometimes it gets in the church. 
God don't care for those kind of people too well. Uh, Absalom went on. I would be fair to everyone if I was a judge. Uh, whenever anyone would come to Absalom and start bowing down, he would reach out and hug and kiss them. Yes, Absalom was a politician. And we're loaded with them in America. Uh, that's how he treated everyone from Israel who brought a complaint to the King David. Some, or soon everyone in Israel, like Absalom better than they like David. The scripture says in the King James Version, he stole the hearts of the people with his charm, his charisma, his ability to win people. I'm talking about Absalom. Four years later, Absalom said to his father, David the king, please let me go to Hebron. I have to keep a promise that I made to the Lord. When I was living in Arameans in Jeshur, I promised that if the Lord would bring me back to live in Jerusalem, I would worship him in Hebron. David gave his permission, and Absalom went to, he to Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him. But they had no idea what he was going to do. He was laying his plan and plot to oversee, overtake his dad and see his dad killed so he could become the king of Israel, a real politician. Absalom offered sacrifices in Hebron and sent someone to Gilo to tell David's advisor, Ahithophel, to go tell David's advisor, Ahithophel, to come. More and more people were joining Absalom and supporting his plot against the king, against the government, against constituted authority. Meanwhile, Absalom had secretly sent some messengers to the northern tribes that were the most influential in Israel. The messengers told everyone, when you hear the sound of the trumpets, you must shout, Absalom now rules as king in Hebron. Absalom now rules as king in Hebron. A messenger came and told David, everyone in Israel is on Absalom's side. David's officials were in Jerusalem with him. And he told his officials, let's get out of here. We'll have to leave soon or none of us will escape from Absalom. Hurry. 
if he moves fast, he could catch us while we're still here. Then he will kill us and everyone else in the city. Absalom, one of David's 19 sons, wanting to be the king in Israel, coveted the position, sought the position, even to the overthrow of his, of his godly father. Oh, my. The official said to David, Your majesty will do whatever you say. David left behind ten of his wives to take care of the palace. I'm reading this out of the contemporary English version simply for understanding. But the rest of his family and his officials and soldiers went with him. They stopped at the last house at the edge of the city. Then David stood there and watched while his regular troops and his bodyguards marched past. The last group was the 600 soldiers who had followed him from Gath. They had been loyal to him even when before he was king and when he was having to run, run away from King Saul, his father-in-law, because King Saul sought to kill him. More than one time, King Saul sought to kill David. And David and his 600 men fled, fled, fled. And these 600 men were loyal servants to David, unselfish servants to David, in servitude unto David. 600 men from Gath. Their commander was Atei. David spoke to Atei and said, You're a foreigner from the town of Gath. You do not have to leave with us. We're running out of the city of Jerusalem to get away from Absalom. And Atei, you don't have to go with us. Go back and join the new king. Why don't you go join Absalom? Wow. You haven't been with me very long. So why should you have to follow me? When I don't, I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> the King David is fleeing from his own wicked son Absalom who wants to kill him. Take your soldiers to Etei and go back. I pray that the Lord will be kind and faithful to you. Etei answered. I want you to notice the beautiful answer of this man from Gath. Etei answered. Your Majesty, just as surely as you and the Lord live, I will go where you go, no matter if it costs me my life. 
What consecration. What dedication to the man of God, to the king of Israel, the man that God placed in the office, just like he has done with President Donald J. Trump. God has put him in the office. I can prove it biblically. Where are the loyalists? Where are the faithful ones? David was doing everything he could to tell Ittai, go with Absalom. You haven't been with me very long, and you don't need to go with me and run away with me from Jerusalem and get away from Absalom. Go join him. And now his, his, his whole heart is revealed in these few words. Just as you and the Lord lives, I will go where you go no matter if it costs me my life. That's consecration. That's dedication. That's loyalty to a leader. And in America, where is loyalty even to a pastor? So easy for some Pentecostals to swap churches. As I told you last Sunday, my son pastors in Bloomington, Indiana. It's the home seat of Indiana University. It's their big university. And there's 31 Pentecostal churches, not all UPC, a variety of Pentecostal churches in that one city of Bloomington, Indiana. And it's no problem for them to swap churches one after the other. And my son has been there 13 years. And there's no respect in that city for an apostolic pastor. What a reproach. How loyal and faithful are you to our pastor? I didn't get a very vigorous amen out of that. Itai's answer, if it costs me my life, I'm going to stay with you, King David. You're the man of God. God put you in this place. Unselfish servant. Unselfish servant. Sure is quiet in this adult class this morning. Jesus said to his chosen disciples, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I call you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Jesus to the twelve hand-picked apostles which included Judas and Judas was disloyal. Eleven of those apostles came from the province of Galilee. Judas came from Judea. St. John 15, 15. That's an interesting picture. If you count the disciples, there's only 11 of them there. Judas must be missing. 
David said to Atai, then come on, David said. So Atai and all of his men and his family walked on past David. The people of Jerusalem were crying yet more and more and mourning as David and every, everyone with him was passing by. He led them across Kidron Valley, the Kidron Valley, and along the road toward the desert. Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, were there along with the several men. You're looking at the Temple Mount with the Golden Rock seated in the middle, but below the Temple Mount is the Kidron Valley where David was leading the people out of Jerusalem. And purposely I left the wall there because I wanted you to see that gate. That gate's been closed since way hundreds of years ago. That's the gate that Jesus went through when he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But the Arabs had closed it up, bricked up, and put a, a, a cemetery in front of it. But the prophet said in the Old Testament, the time will come when Jesus will walk through that gate again. He will be king of kings and lord of lords. That's the golden gate or the east gate in the wall around the city. And the tribe of Levi was carrying the sacred chest, the Ark of the Covenant. They set the chest down and left it there until David and his followers had gone out of the city of Jerusalem. Then David said to Zadok, the priest, take the Ark of the Covenant, the sacred chest, back to Jerusalem. If the Lord is pleased with me, he will bring me back and let me see it and his tent again, the tent that had David had erected for the Ark of the Covenant. Because Solomon wasn't king yet, and there was no Solomon's temple. But David put so treasured the ark, as we learned last Sunday. He hoping to see it again in the tent that he provided. If the Lord is pleased with me, he will bring me back and let me see the ark and his tent again. But if he says... He isn't pleased with me running away from Absalom, my son. Then he will do what he knows is best. Folks, that is absolute trust in God. How many of us have that kind of faith in God that we can sit back and rest and lean on him to do what he knows is best? David was a man that loved God with all of his heart. Read the Psalms if you don't think so. My, 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 
He loved God. He worshiped God. He brought the ark back to Jerusalem when it was never sought after in the 40 years of King Saul's uh, kingship. King Saul never sought it, never went after it to bring it back. Zadok, you're a good judge of things. Zadok's the other priest. So return to the city and don't cause any trouble. Take your son Ahimahaz with you and Abiathar and his son Jonathan will also go back. The two priests that oversaw the Ark of the Covenant and their sons go back to Jerusalem. I'm not trusting in them. I'm not leaning upon the priesthood. I'm not leaning upon the Ark of the Covenant. I put my faith totally in God. If he's pleased with me, he will deliver me and let me come back to Jerusalem to see the Ark of the Covenant and the tent. But if he's not pleased with me, he will make the choice. I'm trusting in God to make the decision. And boy, that will really preach in our time. Zadok and Abiathar took the, chest, the sacred chest back to Jerusalem and stayed there. David went on up the slope of the Mount of Olives, crossing the Kidron Valley from the city of Jerusalem up the slope of the Mount of Olives. He was barefoot, and David was crying. covered his head to show his sorrow. He hated this. Everyone with him was crying. And they covered their heads too. Someone told David, Ahithophel, your advisor, David is helping Absalom plot against you. My, my, my. David said, Please, Lord, keep Ahithophel's plans from working. A little moment of prayer. It's good to be able to pray instantly. It's good to be able to pray instantaneously. I mean, right now. It's really nice if you're prayed up to where you can pray right now in emergency, some kind of a situation. When David reached the top of Mount Olives, he met Hushai, the archite, at the place of worship. Hushai's robe was torn. Dust was on his head. This is the Mount of Olives. This is where David was going. Going across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. This is where Jesus prayed his last prayer, just before he went to Calvary. David told Hushai, Hushai, if you come with me, you might slow us down. Go back into the city. 
and tell Amnesty. Go back into the city and tell Absalom, Your Majesty, I am your servant. Wow. David is telling this man of God, Hushai, Go back into the city and tell Absalom, Your Majesty, I am your servant. I will serve you now just as I served your father in the past. Hushai, if you do that, you can help me ruin Ahithophel's plans. Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, will be there with you, and you can tell them everything you hear in the palace. Hushai, then have them send their sons, Ahimaaz and Jonathan, to tell me what they have heard or what you've heard. David's advisor, Hushai, slipped back into Jerusalem just about the same time that Absalom was coming into Jerusalem for an overthrow, Absalom turned to Ahithophel, David's former advisor, and said, Give us your advice. What shall we do, Ahithophel? Ahithophel answered, Some of your father's wives were left here to take care of the palace in Jerusalem. David, some of your father's wives were left in the city to take care of the palace. You should have sex with them. Then everyone will find out that you have publicly disgraced your father, King David. This will make you and your followers even more powerful. The advice of Ahithophel to Absalom was going to help overthrow him. Ahithophel gave such godly advice in those days that both Absalom and David thought it came straight from God. This is what your Bible says. Then Absalom said, Bring in Hushai, the archite. Let's hear what he has to say. Hushai came in. Absalom told him what Ahithophel had planned. <laughs> then Absalom said, Should we do what Ahithophel has said? And if we shouldn't, can you come up with anything better, Hushai? Hushai said, this time Ahithophel's advice isn't so good. You know that your father and his followers are real warriors. Right now, they are as fierce as a mother bear. 
whose cub had just been killed. Absalom, I don't think it's wise for you to do that. Besides, your father has a lot of experience in fighting war. Absalom. Absalom and the others like Hushea's plan better than Ahithophel's plan. This was because, watch it, this was because the Lord God had decided and God is in control. And on this Sunday morning, November 10th, in the year of our Lord, 2019, God is in control this morning. I said, God is in control today. <clears throat> God is in control this morning. In America, in the world, God rules in the army of heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar said so in his own testimony and among all the people of the earth King Nebuchadnezzar said so in Daniel chapter 4 and the last three verses read it for yourself God is in control this morning this was because the Lord God had decided to keep Ahithophel's plan from working and to cause trouble for Absalom because God is in control I wish Pentecostals really believed that. I wish Pentecostals really believed. But true apostolics do. When Ahithophel saw that Absalom and his leaders of Israel were not going to follow his advice, he saddled his donkey and rode back to his home in Gilead. He told his family and servants what to do. Then Ahithophel, one time David's counselor and advisor, and they believed in him so much that his words seemed to be straight from God. Then Ahithophel, hanged himself, and they buried him in his family's burial ground. Went home and committed suicide. A counselor to King David. He was not loyal to David. He was not faithful to David, like many people are not loyal and faithful today. Oh, but they're there. Yes, they're there. They're there. Absalom was riding his mule under a huge tree with his head caught in the branches. The mule ran off as Solomon or Absalom hanged him in midair by his long hair, weighed five pounds, you know. Joab took three spears. 
David's captain took three spears and stuck them through Absalom's chest, hanging from a tree. Ten of Joab's bodyguards came over and finished him off. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and put a pile of rocks over it. Meanwhile, the people of Israel that were his followers had all ran back to their own homes. Yes. When Absalom was alive, he had set up a stone monument for himself in the king's explained, I don't have any sons to keep my name alive. Absalom had had three sons, but apparently they were all dead, and none of them could carry on his name. So in his pride, in his haughtiness, in his self-importance, in his narcissistic attitude, he had a monument set up in his honor. He called it Absalom's monument. And that is the name of it. This morning, November 10, 2019, there it is. It's huge. Look at the people standing down below. Absalom's monument in honor of him that died hanging on a tree. There it is to the left in the picture. Absalom's monument. Pride, arrogance. The Ethiopian came and said, Your Majesty, today I have good news. The Lord has rescued you from all your enemies. Speaking to King David, David said, Is my son Absalom all right? David asked. The Ethiopian replied, I wish that all your master's enemies and everyone who tries to harm you would wind up like That's the wrong thing to say. David started trembling. Then he went up to the room above the city, the city gates of Christ. As he went, he kept saying, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, I wish I could have died instead of you, Absalom, my son, my son. They never were reconciled. Absalom would not reconcile. Someone told Joab that the king is crying because Absalom is dead. David's army found out he was crying because his son was dead. And their days of victory suddenly turned into a day of sadness. Until Joab, his captain, had to go and say, David, 
if you don't go out there and encourage these people in the victory that God has just given you through them, you're going to turn this whole bunch against you. David, you're acting as if you'd rather that Absalom was alive and all of us were dead. You can read it for yourself. I just didn't have time to put it on the screen. This is what Joab said to David. David finally went out and encouraged the people. Yes, Barzillai came from Regelim to Gilead to meet David at the Jordan River and get, and get across with him. Barzillai was 80 years old. He was very rich and had sent food to David from Mahanaim. David told him, cross the river and go to Jerusalem with me, Barzillai. I will take care of you. Barzillai answered, Your Majesty, why should I go to Jerusalem? I don't have much longer to live. I'm already 80 years old. And my body is almost young. I can't taste any food or hear the sound of singing. And I will be nothing but a burden to anybody. I'll cross the river with you till Baal, the only little place on the other side. You don't have to be so kind to me, David. let me return to my hometown where I can someday be buried near my father and mother. My servant, Timothy, can go with you and you can treat him as your own son. We all have years that go with us. Ecclesiastes 12 is about old age for those of you that don't know. You ought to read it. Read it in several versions. Ecclesiastes 12 by King Solomon. Old age. King David said, I'll take Jim Ham with me and whatever you ask me to do for him, I will do Barzillai. There's anything else you want, I'll do also that. Unselfish service. All a servant of Jesus Christ. Unselfish, dedicated, loyal, wholehearted, living for God, giving to God. I wonder, I wonder how many unselfish servants of Christ we have in Gamble Christ this morning. Unselfish. Barzillai was rich. He provided food and loyalty, faithfulness to King David right up to the end. Oh, how many loyal people do we have in apostolic churches today? I'm going to stop there. I'm not done. 
right, it's time for me to stop. I hope this has kind of stirred your interest a little bit about uh, 